0: on today's show. We let you know what we've learned from the Charlotte Hornets in 2016.
1: And one thing we just learned, the secret to Nick Batum's recent success, it's it's pretty hilarious. You'll want to stick around and hear that.
0: We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are locked on, Hornets. You are locked on Locked on Locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network.
1: Your team every day welcome into locked on hornets in-depth hornets talk in your podcast feed every day when you need it whether you're at the gym driving to work maybe you're driving back from work subscribe to us on itunes stitcher google play however you get your podcast and make sure to tell a friend hornets fans are searching for content now more than ever Let them know where the best Hornets talk in Charlotte is. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker.
0: Doug, it's almost 2017, buddy. What do you have to say about that?
1: Well, here's what I have to say, is that we've got a segment coming up called What We Learned from the Hornets in 2016. You'll definitely want to stick around for that we've got a huge show no, no no time for a little pre-show tomfoolery between you and I because this <laughs> okay. show we got a we got a recap last night's game we got to talk about tomorrow night's game and then we have to do that segment we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network Your Team Every Day go to iTunes search Locked On and find podcast on the NFL golf fantasy sports it's the fastest growing podcast network in the world okay let's start in spectrum center which was surprisingly full considering they were competing with a mighty college football game just down the street. The folks who came out did not leave disappointed. Hornets taking on division rival and last year's playoff opponent, the Miami Heat. Shots weren't falling early for the Hornets, who finished the half down seven after shooting 31% from the field and 14% from three. Things picked up in the third, though. Kimba Walker got things started with a three-pointer. Nick Batum was 4-5 in the quarter for nine of his 16 points. The Hornets outscored the Heat in the third quarter, 31-17. They would hold on to the lead thanks to more clutch play from Kimball Walker and great team rebounding all around. Hornets win this one 91-82. They move to 19-14, and tied with the Celtics for third place in the Eastern Conference and two and a half games up on the Atlanta Hawks for first in the Southeast Division. After the game, Nick Batum said they really had no energy in the first half, but things changed after the break.
2: We step up our defense and we start moving the ball a bit better. Try to get the other man, open shot, move the ball, drop the ball to get the open man. So and came last time to some shots as well. So, so yeah, we just step
0: up our game.
1: They stepped up their game, David. They got in the groove in that second half. What did you see in this one?
0: Well, Doug, you saw the defense, I thought. I mean, that was the big thing, right? They held Miami to under 20 points, three out of the four quarters in this game. Only 16 points in the fourth quarter, only 17 in the third quarter. So that third quarter, again, was big for the Hornets. 31 points scored by Charlotte in that third quarter, again, second nine in a row. I mean, that's been the theme for this season that we've seen. That third quarter's been a big boost for them when they can get a good one. But you go back and look at them, I and they didn't shoot the ball that great, only 38% from the field. But they did, as you mentioned, really got after it on the boards. And really got after Miami and forced them into maybe some uncomfortable shots. They started missing some as well. So, that was a big thing to me. I mean, but what we talked about before this game, you know, are we going to see them uh, continue the the positive momentum, right, that they have from Orlando? And they did that. Second night of a back-to-back. We all know those are tiring, and you don't get your best effort on those nights. So, that was important for them to get this win at home. Um, You start to look back at that Brooklyn game and just, man, ah, they could have gotten that one. It could have been a great week. But um, I, I thought that was the big key. This when they finally got uh, on a back to back, got their defense back, and, and beat an opponent that, regardless of how they're playing, always plays them tough.
1: Yeah, listen, it's the end of 2016, David. So there's no time to to look back on things with regret. We have to look to the future for the Charlotte Hornets team.
0: <laughs> Don't look back in anger.
1: No, they they won the turnover battle, 17 to nine. And the Hornets scored 21 points off of those 17 Miami Heat turnovers. That was huge in this game. And the Hornets win. This was my big thing. The Hornets won the battle on the boards. They snagged 11 offensive rebounds. And and it was a team effort. It wasn't one guy uh, really crashing the offensive boards. Everyone was putting shots back. Uh, Cody Zeller. I thought David thoroughly outplayed Hassan Whiteside who came into this oh. game we talked about it in the preview he came into this game with a little controversy swirling around him about his effort is he you know a franchise player does he get too frustrated coach Bolstra was even talking about it and, and I just left this game really unimpressed with the Gastonia native. Uh, He didn't look very interested at all in this game, especially on the boards. And Cody Zeller uh, just got really physical with him on defense and on the boards. And I just thought he played a much better game. Even though you look at the stat sheet, they scored uh, what it was nine versus eight, and then uh, ten rebounds for Whiteside, seven rebounds. But Whiteside is a, is a level above Cody Zeller on paper. He mm-hmm. should be outplaying Zeller every time they meet. Didn't happen,
0: Doug. To say that he was disinterested at times, <laughs> it's would be The I mean, would be the most positive thing you could say. I mean, I I've, it's hard to look out there and see that guy just not be into the game at all. I mean, the Marvin Williams dunk, right? He literally shrugged after that and looked. I guess for someone else, <laughs> I don't know what. When Marvin was making that, we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But that that comes to mind because Marvin was driving. And I was like, oh man, Hassan Whiteside. No, is Hassan, right there. you
1: shrug when you make a great play, not when the other <laughs> team it dunks all over you. That's it not was how it works.
0: Truly bizarre. And and on the broadcast, <clears throat> you know Stephanie Reddy does a great job pointing it out towards the end of that game when you saw some of those turnovers, right? They weren't even looking for a white side because all throughout the game, he would be in and out. And more times than not, he would be not into the game or what was going on. And they stopped looking for him, right? And he had Kimball Walker on his back at one point late in that game. And they didn't go to him or they didn't see him or they didn't think to look at him. So very bizarre, very strange. I mean, got to be concerning if you're Miami. I mean, that is the guy right now, right? I mean, that, he, he can be a difference maker, but I mean, geez. Totally, just not in the game, and 100% outplayed by Cody Zeller.
1: Yeah, definitely a concern if you're a Miami Heat fan. But if you're a Hornets fan, you got to be just elated that Cody Zeller was able to have the impact, and he's having a career year. I mean, again, the the mm-hmm. stats when you look at the stat sheet: pedestrian, nine point seven rebounds, but and two assists. He, but he had a definite impact on this game. Another guy that had a huge impact on the game, probably maybe the biggest of the night, 16 points from Nick Batum, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists. Another almost triple-double for Nick Batum. David, he's going to lead the league in almost triple-doubles. It's going to be Russ with the what? triple-doubles <laughs> and then Batum with the almost-triple-doubles. Uh, he scored, uh, over the last five games, he's averaged 20 points, eight rebounds and eight assists and almost two steals per game. He's gone Mm -hmm. from scoring 19% of the Hornets points to 24% in those last five games. Oh, and by the way, the Hornets are four and one in that stretch. He's been a lot more aggressive. He scored 20 points in four out of the last five games. He would have made it five of five last night had two of his five missed threes gone in. Uh, he went through a stretch for almost a month from, this is how much things have changed, from November 19th to December 12th, where he didn't score 20 at all. And if you're wondering where this change has come from, uh, after the game, Nick Batum gave out more than a hint about when and why this trend started for him.
2: Since my wife clean my hands a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> telling me you should be like Nick Batum again, since that day, yeah, I... Step up my game so our goes to her.
1: He said if you missed that there, <laughs> he, he said his wife basically kicked his ass and said, Be Nick Batum again.
0: We need to know, we need to chart that. When when did this conversation take place? I really it think it's the last five games recently. because you can <laughs> yeah. see
1: you can see this significant jump in his performance and his aggressiveness, and we've really seen it over the past two or three games where you know he wants the ball. And he's not looking to defer quite as much, and that makes it all the more impressive that he's averaging eight assists. Because you know there have been a couple of games in this stretch where the shots haven't fallen, but yet he's been able to find the guys, especially cutting to the rim, back cutting, which I'm going to mention here in a minute as well. Um, But you know Batum has just been amazing, David, and 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 you got to love the fact that it. He said he said at the end of that bite that he's playing well because he knows she's watching. And as you will kick his
0: rear, right? His derriere. We know. All, we know
1: all about that, David. Both you and I are married, so we know.
0: Um, hey, I think all the married guys out there know, know about that a little bit. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can tell when when you see Nick Batum want to turn it on, and when he's being more aggressive, you can you can actively see it happening. And so I think that's encouraging because if he can play like this, if he can kind of grow into this level of play for the rest of the season, then the Hornets will be able to do some exciting things.
1: I, I wonder, David, if if he was so because all the talk after he signed the contract was I don't want to change my game. You know, I don't want to be I don't want to just suddenly start to be a primary scorer because, you know, I signed this contract. It's not going to change mm-hmm. who I am. I'm a distributor. I make other players better. I wonder if he was trying to overcompensate a little bit. And, you know, to the point where he he wasn't being as aggressive because he really did want to distribute and prove that he had not changed and he needed that little and it's it's amazing that it that it came from family instead of instead of coaching who i think have been you know they've just been letting Nick Batum do Nick Batum, and that's probably the right move for a guy that's been playing professionally forever. I mean, and he, and he even when he's not scoring twenty, he makes a big impact on the game. So you don't want to you don't want to get in his head. You leave that to the wife. Yeah. The wife can the wife has free reign <laughs> over all of our minds.
0: So. Right, and and I mean maybe like he's a pretty humble guy, right? He's yeah. confident. Obviously, he's a professional NBA athlete. He's been playing basketball forever but he's a humble guy so like you don't know how that kind of affects a personality of someone i mean to be to get that big contract right to be the biggest or the highest paid player on the team get that 100 million dollar contract in the all-star i mean that can be like well i don't want to go out here and you know throw it in anybody's face for lack of a better term right and like he knows it's kimba's team he's doing all he can to get kimba into the all-star game uh, tweeting out hashtag #nba vote kimba, kimba walker retweeting so I mean, um, maybe that was a little apprehensiveness on his part. You know what I mean? Like not consciously, really, but but just trying not to stand out too much. But I think that he's got to be that aggressive guy. I mean, you see what a difference it makes, and his wife does too. So thanks to her.
1: Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, uh, one more, one Mrs. more guy. That,
0: yeah, yeah. One more guy that I thought maybe you were going to bring this up, but I thought Jeremy Lamb had a big impact on this game okay. uh, in his in his minutes. I mean, eight rebounds for him to go along with 10 points. And I think we've talked about that some um, this season, but finding other ways to contribute, right? Like his confidence is coming with the scoring, but he putting up eight eight boards. And I think a lot of those, if not all of them, were in that third quarter. And and I just think he's been big when he's able to go in there and give other things besides the scoring.
1: Yeah, again, we look again, 10 points and and no three-pointers. So right. he only attempted one. So he's looking to score in other ways, getting to the basket and uh, pulling up from mid-range and hitting tough shots and getting his own shot a lot of those times. So that's good because, you know, that's what that second unit needs. They they need players who can get their own shots once the starters uh, uh, sit the bench. And uh, there's also something else going on with Jeremy Lamb that's that's leading to his success. And I'm teasing it. I don't want to tell you what it is because we've got it coming up from Justin Thomas. On Locked On Hornets Live this Tuesday, so stay tuned for that. I'm putting the pressure on Justin now. He has to he has to reveal his insider information, um, but it's good stuff. But you want to tune in next Tuesday on YouTube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets to Locked On Hornets Live. Uh, gotta mention Kemba too. Eight of twenty from the field. Uh, it Kind of started off a little a little rough, but had a great second half. Four three pointers, including uh, one that really put them ahead uh, for good. Uh, 22 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists. Another great game from Kimba Walker as he looks uh, to try to make his first All-Star game. And he was part of one of the uh, two or three really fun moments from this game. I'm going to ask you, David, to pick your favorite fun moment out of these two. Uh, There was Kimba. Uh, at the end of the game, end of the fourth quarter, it was he was really trying to put the nail in the coffin. Uh, shoots the three pointer, it goes in out, and he he does he turns around before the ball fully goes in the basket and does a little shimmy shake, swag the ball right out of the rim as it pops out, and he turned around realized it and and kind of had a little bit of a laugh before he got back on defense. So that was one funny moment from the broadcast. And then the other fun moment was middle of the third quarter, Marvin Williams, ball faking and getting to the rim, saw nothing but daylight, and he got up for a big veteran, old-aged yam dunking all over every – I felt dunked on, David. I felt like he dunked on everyone in Spectrum Center. It was amazing uh, to see the veteran get up like that. So, David, pick pick your favorite fun moment from this game.
0: Uh well I didn't see the Kimba shimmy in game I saw that um after the game uh on Twitter Still course. counts still counts still counts for sure and the Marvin thing <laughs> was surprising and fantastic I I I for a second I was like oh no is he not going to get there? <laughs> is did he jump just a little too far out but I don't see how you can go away from from the, the Kimba shimmy gif. I mean, that, that's going to live on, unfortunately for Kimba, probably for a very long time.
1: It's it's beautiful. I, I love it. And, and I don't, you know, I just, ha, you know, listen, basketball is fun. You have to embrace the mm-hmm. fun moments. And I look at it side by side. Here's the question. Like when you look at it side by side with the other infamous uh, too early celebration, Swaggy right. P, Nick Young, uh, throwing up the three and then turning around, you know, arms, arms in the air, like, yeah, I made it. Uh, when you look at them side by side, which one do you think's fun? you know, Nick realized immediately what had happened. Kimba it took a little Kimba longer. kept going.
0: That's <laughs> why I'm like, maybe he was just in a shimmying mood and they just, you know, he got off a good look. So I thought that the Nick young one will still live on a little bit more because, because Nick has that, more to screen grabs because you can screen grab yes. your hands up in the air. Right. And yes. you can see the ball popping. Out. Right. And, Whereas Kimba is like, you know, it's, it's, it's much more. And Kimba um, doesn't have subdued. that
1: swaggy P it was perfect. And, and the Nick young was perfect key. because he was swaggy. He was, you know, he, you know, yeah. he, he embodied swag. Whereas Kimba, has been a little more understated. Uh, This is definitely not like him. Um, But if anyone out there is concerned about this, just... I don't know. Uh, Take a breath. Grab a stress ball. Have fun with it. Yeah, please. This was amazing and fun, and the Hornets won the game. So uh, no worries on that. I got to go with Marvin dunking, though, because it was, uh, it was a throwback. It was amazing. It took me back to 2005 national champion uh, Marvin uh, Williams at UNC. Um, but I think Marvin Williams back then, and he probably would admit this, would have landed on his feet. It took it took every ounce of him to just get the dunk, and then he fell to the ground. Um, But just awesome! It's you know, and he's so passionate. When he got up after that, he was just yelling at the crowd, Um, and 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 that tied the game. And it really it again it uh, the Miami Heat would not go away in that third quarter. And I think that was part of that was step one in getting them to finally go away. Uh, It took and it came,
0: yeah. I think it was on the back of a of a Cody Zeller had a dunk right before that yes. on the previous possession, yes. right? So there's a, a couple of big possessions there that kind of got the crowd, certainly. The crowd was great, again. The crowd's been awesome uh, as of late, but it really kind of sparked the Hornets again.
1: All right, the Hornets' next game is tomorrow night. The Hornets will be sending off 2016 in Charlotte against the defending champion Cleveland Cavaliers. Full preview of that game coming momentarily, but first... It is the end of 2016. I know a lot of people out there on Twitter are very happy about that. We want to know, uh, or I want to know from David, and David wants to know from me, I'm sure, what we learned in 2016 from the Charlotte Hornets. And we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, tweet us after the show. Uh, tweet us at LockedOnHornets what you learned from the Charlotte Hornets in 2016. That's the back half of last season and the beginning of this season. Uh, David, I- I'll give you the honor, sir. What have you learned from the Hornets in 2016?
0: Yeah, we hit on some of these earlier in our game recap. They just happen to be themes that have carried over kind of all season. But my first thing is Kimba Walker is an all-star, Doug. Um, And this is a good one to have all year because a lot of people are saying or to, to have a theme throughout the year because a lot of people are saying he should have made it last year. But I really think he took another step up this year um bumped his scoring up another two points bumped his field goal percentage up to career highs three point percentage up to career highs we've highlighted that throughout the season and really taken this team offensively on on his back and is finishing at the rim with Kyrie like efficiency in my mind and challenging the big guys and not being afraid to go in there and finish and, and, and the clutch gene is certainly still there you saw it last night hit a big three down the stretch even with the shimmy out Uh, was still just as impressive in closing out that game. So for me, I I do think that he will get that nod this year. Although, it, it, gosh, it just feels like it's going to be tight. It feels like it's going to come down the no, wire. Keep the, no. keep the faith. Keep the faith. But I do think the coaches will recognize that. So that's the big thing for me. Well, his
1: game is crescendoed. And also, I, I feel like the ball movement on this team is, is crescendoed as well. It's better than it's ever been. And the Hornets are getting a ton of points on back cuts. And, and I'm not the only one to notice that. Someone noticed it last night as well and asked Steve Clifford about what's leading to all of these back cut back Baskets. And his answer, I think, tells you a little bit about what's going on in the NBA, but also about what's going on with the Hornets. Let's take a listen.
2: There's more uh, smaller lineups, you know, in, in, in the league now. So there's more wing denial. You know, when you play smaller, uh, you have guys who naturally get up in the passing lanes more versus, you know, it used to be more three out to win and everything was at the basket, packed to paint. Uh, so teams are trying to be more disruptive. So it definitely lends to more backdoor cuts and more room to drive the ball also.
1: So there's a little bit of insight into what the Hornets ball movement is leading to uh, this season. And I think, you know, you're always learning something from listening to Steve Clifford postgame <clears throat> press conferences. So that's one thing that I learned. Uh, David, run through a few more things you've learned.
0: Yeah. Again, when Nick wants to, he can play like an all-star. I think you've seen that over the last you know, two weeks or so or whenever his wife told him to play like Nick Batum, because if you start racking up triple doubles, that does raise the attention of a lot of people. And you can see the effect he had on this team just coming in from last year. I mean, the win totals alone are enough to to, to value that contract that he got. But For me, like I said, we can actively see when he's trying to be more aggressive, not just with scoring, but with creation on offense. And that's something he always highlights, his ability to create for other guys. So when he's fully engaged and involved, I think he's one of those players that can be really effective and a really game-changing offensive player uh, at the shooting guard position in the NBA. So when he wants to, and and hopefully he wants to for the rest of the year, I think he can really play at an all-star level.
1: Yeah, a couple of other things that I've learned in 2016 from the Hornets one, Number one, the player promotions department has things uh, on lock. I mean, yeah. from the this Kimba Walker uh uh Walker Charlotte Ranger promotion is is amazing. They're doing uh, episodes now. <laughs> you have yeah. to you have to go to hornets.com and check these out. They are they are hilarious and they're having fun and and I think it speaks to something that uh, we've noticed from the Hornets as well that they're really dedicated to this core of players. You know, as mm-hmm. much as we want to talk about, oh, will Steph come to Charlotte, blah, blah, I don't think that's where the focus of the team is really when it comes no. down to it. They, they love this Kimball Walker, Nick Batum, MKG core, and they think he can do, and Cody Zeller, and they think yeah. he can do big things. Hey, speaking of Cody Zeller... I think one of the things that I learned this season from the back half, as well as this uh, front half of this new season, the story hasn't been fully written on Cody Zeller. He's having a career year right now in, in points and rebounds and just overall effectiveness. And, you know, he was injured in that playoff series, couldn't have an impact back in back in May, but he's having an impact right now. And I think it's going to be exciting to see what he can do in a playoff series that the Hornets can get back there. Also, David, the Hornets have a type. I think that's the biggest thing that I learned in 2016, that they're going after players that are uh, consummate professionals that have high basketball IQ and that have a team first personality. If you fit that bill, then you belong on the Charlotte Hornets. They have created a culture. Here in Charlotte. And that's not that's not easy to do. It's something the Spurs have done. It's something I think uh, the Golden State Warriors are starting to do now and, and have. Um, but, you know, it, it's tough to develop a, a stable culture. And I think the Hornets have done that.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Cody Zeller because that was actually one of the other things that I've learned. You know, I was skeptical of Cody even going into this season when we weren't sure if it was going to be Zeller or Hibbert. um, Hibbert, you know, at the center position. So, and for Cody, I've been just so impressed about his aggressiveness and his willingness to just do whatever it takes against these opposing. I mean, look at some of the guys he's getting under their skin. I mean, Howard and and Whiteside. Okay, yes. Maybe so easier to get under their skin than some other guys, but they're also massive human beings. And when they throw elbows at your head, you feel that. Um, but he's been aggressive in going to the basket in a way that I don't think we've seen before. And yeah. I think he's really taken that strength and he's right. stronger. Yeah. Yeah, really taking that strength and and is going to the basket. These rim runs are are vicious, and there's not many guys, and there are not many guys outside of those two guys that are going to be able to have the quickness or the strength to stop him once he gets going in that direction. And the other thing, Doug, zero three pointers attempted on the season. You know, last season was all the rage when he's coming back from that sh- shoulder injury that he was trying to add that to his game, and you can see the difference. He's just like. Well, hopefully they were like, you know what? Screw that. Don't worry about the three pointers. We need you to attack the rim with yeah. a vengeance and that, and you can see the difference. And I think it's funny to look back at that Miami uh, series now and think about that. Cause you don't always think about him being out and the difference had this level of play been present for the Hornets in that series. I mean, that could have been a big difference. So I think he's been great.
1: Yeah, final thing that I've learned in 2016 about the Charlotte Hornets: the Hornets can catch the big fish. They went out and got Nick Batum, got him to sign that near max contract in Dallas. Didn't did not let him talk to other teams. Uh, the question heading into 2017, though, will be: Will the contracts they currently have on the books allow them to strike in free agency? I don't know. But again, I think they are committed uh, to seeing what this core develops into and when you look at Zeller and you look at how Batum has made this leap into uh, you know what what he's doing 28 and 8 over these past 5 games you start to go okay well if they can continue to do that and Kimba becomes an all-star then then that that may have been you know that may be the right decision so uh, any yeah. uh, last thing mm-hmm. last thing that you've learned from the Hornets in 2016
0: Ooh, well, I can pick from it. Well, let me say one thing that you just mentioned Nick and Cody. I mean, uh-huh. that combo, especially on the pick and roll, has yeah. been uh, like uh, poetry, you know, lately, especially. Um, but the last thing a guy we haven't seen lately, Markup. I mean, he's been fantastic for this team up there in the league leaders in three-point percentage. The Hornets know how to pick um,
1: them. They know how to buy low. And, and,
0: right. Yeah. Well, so the draft night trade, I learned that that is looking like a win, a, a, a runaway win at this point. He was, he has been out, but he has been huge for this team and shooting the ball oh. off the bench. is mm-hmm. scoring that they missed from Lynn, we were wondering where they were going to get it from, and he's been the one to provide it.
1: All right, Hornets taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers on New Year's Eve. Hey, by the way, let me let me just stop and say, what have you learned from the Hornets in 2016? Let us know. BuzzBuzz at LockedOnHornets.com is the email. Twitter at LockedOnHornets uh, is a great place to let us know as well. And we'll read them on Monday show. Hornets taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers on New Year's Eve, hoping to end 2016 by knocking off the kids with the NBA crown. We're not uh, halfway through this season yet, but this will be the third of four matchups between these two teams. They won't play each other again until late March. The first matchup was in Cleveland in November. It was the Channing Fry game, David, when the Cavs Mm -hmm. went on a 20-6 fourth quarter run without Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love on the floor to beat the Hornets 100-93. The second matchup was earlier this month, also in Cleveland. LeBron James was... Virtually unstoppable. He finished with 44 points, and the Cavs shot a season-best 57% from the field, 68% in the first half. They win big, 116-105. to 105. So two different types of games here. What do you expect from the Cavaliers when they visit Charlotte tomorrow night, and, and how do you think the, that the Charlotte Hornets will respond?
0: Well, first of all, uh, everyone's playing, right? No, 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 no news of maybe LeBron sitting, which I'd be in favor of. Well, this time that's around. you
1: know, it's uh, that's always in play, and they played big minutes uh, last night against the Celtics. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Love, or excuse me, Kyrie and LeBron played forty plus minutes. So, you know, it's it's tough to preview this game with that in mind because they are so big three dependent. But we just have to sort of assume that they yeah. will play.
0: Yeah. And so the thing that you saw last time, and you tend to see this, and we talked about this a little, like the the Hornets um, unwillingness to kind of double guys. I mean, this team lends itself. It's not good. Yeah, you can't double. You can't double anybody. anybody. Yeah, because they've been playing lights Mm -hmm. out. And I think Kevin Love, especially, uh, last night was really nice against the Celtics. I mean, he's been a, a different player this season getting healthy and to me i mean he poses a real problem because he can get out there and shoot and and no, no matter who the hornets you know want to put on him it feels like he's kind of a marvin william matchup i guess the more he's on the perimeter but when he really gets inside he can score as well so i mean geez they're the champs for a reason doug you know i mean they had a great game against the warriors on christmas day um, and it always seems like there's a Channing Fry in the mix too, right? It's like somebody that turns up. Yeah, Mon Shumper th- killed him in that second yeah. game,
1: uh, and yeah. then they have Channing Fry to knock down threes, and then Richard Jefferson has been—he's just had such a a crazy year for for how old he is. I mean, he is—he yeah. has just had an amazing uh, bounce back year, and then I think you know when you look at these games with it with a ton of star power, and you know you you just have to hope that LeBron James doesn't have the the same game that he had last game and 44 points almost was what one one something or other away from a triple double um yeah. he, he he played amazing so you hope that doesn't happen that's step 1 um, hope and dream and then the second step I think is to try to make them do something a little different take them out of their rhythm a little bit that they had in those two games and one thing that I point to is Kevin Love he's gotten the Cavs off to great starts in the first quarter he was 5 of 6 for 15 points in the first matchup he was 5 of 7 from the field for 11 points in the second matchup so if you're looking for one thing that they could do if there's some way they can put a little extra pressure on Kevin Love and knock them out of that rhythm a little bit that he's a guy that they constantly look to he set the record for first quarter points I believe earlier in the season with almost 30 or something I don't know but mm-hmm. uh, it was something crazy like that they look to him to get the offense started in the first quarter and so if you can if you can do something to take him out of the game a little bit I think uh, I think that's a that's going to be a big thing
0: yeah and I'll say this, Doug, you know, in the two wins earlier this season, the Cavs shot 14 or made 14 three-pointers in that first game, uh-huh. Uh made 13 Uh, in the second game. But the Hornets were either in the game or or actually had a lead yeah. in the fourth quarter against that in the first game in Cleveland. So, I mean, they have played the Cavs relatively well. I mean, relatively tough in both of these games, you know, had the games within striking distance. It if not having the lead actually in these games. And you're right, I mean, LeBron was just unbelievable in that December game scoring that four, those forty four points. So uh, you know, hopefully the home crowd will give the Hornets a little boost, but you know they've lost these two games but like we said at the time I mean they, they didn't give up they didn't they didn't um, you know back down at all to the Cavs they were just overmatched and that's gonna happen
1: yeah and this is a tough matchup for the Hornets because the Cavaliers are so perimeter focused on offense and the, the Hornets defensive focus is always to pack the pain and to not to deny the rim but Cleveland has connected on 10 or more threes in 27 of 31 games this season including 14 against Boston last night the Cavaliers ranked second in the NBA in three-pointers made, and second in the NBA in three-point percentage at almost 40% for the team. You
0: don't think about the cast in that way, do you?
1: No. Well, yeah, no, they've, they've really transformed, I think, their team uh, this season to really fully Fully embrace the three pointer, but yeah, you don't think about them in the same way as like say the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But they've they've just got a ton of guys who can knock down the three point shot, and they don't play a lot of players either. I mean, they really run like almost an eight man rotation uh, when they have the big three in there for big minutes. So uh, that's tough as well. Okay, uh, real quick before we go, a few of uh, you caught this on the live broadcast of Steve Clifford's press conference on Fox Sports Southeast last night. Our man uh, from Locked on Hornets Live, Justin Thomas, was there at the press conference. And uh, I saw him during the game, and he was sporting a Cowboys hat. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's not news to me because, you know, if you watch Locked on Hornets Live, he always tries to drop a Cowboys reference in there, especially this year with them (laughs) playing so well. Um, but
0: Steve no, Roma, he wasn't he wasn't wearing a Romo jersey though, right? No, or well, around, thankfully, around, okay. no, no, yeah.
1: and not, no, no, you know Ezekiel Elliott sweats. Um, no, Clifford <laughs> noticed this as well, and he wasn't going to let Justin off the hook. We've got the audio. This is you'll only hear this on Locked On Hornets. A little inside stuff here. Check this out.
2: Were you, were you a Cowboys fan 14 weeks ago, or did you just become one? That's <laughs> how I, I mean. And if you listen, we got to have, we don't need many rules. There's not many rules down here in this. But if you come in here, you got to have a Panthers hat on if it's NFL, (laughs) in my opinion. You know? Then you know what? Then wear a Hornets hat or go, you know what? Show the hair off. We shouldn't be wearing Cowboys hats. Show the hair off. (laughs) Show
1: the hair off, hair off. Oh, Justin got me shaking my head, as the kids say. Well, oh, so, a couple laying things, down the law, th- by the way, Clifford, <laughs> just laying it down, saying this yeah. this, this is unacceptable.
0: <laughs> a couple of things to love about that: one is like giddy giddy Cliff, right? Like you don't yeah. get that. That happens you don't get after. That Vic, I would have
1: hated to hear what he had to say if the Hornets would have oh, lost that one God. close. He would have ripped that hat off his head.
0: Yeah, and then the the hometown support, you know, tell them to to wear a Panthers hat in there, get your Panthers gear on, Justin. But I will say this for Justin, right? And we know this, and you guys know this if you listen to the live show or have heard Justin on here. He he is a ride or die Cowboys fan. Like he was heartbroken at one point during the season because they had so many wins without Tony Romo. <laughs> Which we have to talk him down off a ledge after wins. Well, here's the um,
1: here's the weird thing about Justin, and I agree with you. He is a ride or die Cowboys fan. It, he's ride or die for all of his teams. All his teams, but right. listen to his teams: the They're Dallas Cowboys, the, the Los Angeles Lakers, Florida State Seminoles. Yes. So he's he is, and he, he's a Carolina I, fan. He's, Carolina he's ride or die guy. for all of these great '90s teams.
0: Well. <laughs> I mean, I will say, and his, you know, certainly hasn't been easy to be a Lakers fan over the last year and a half, um, and he still supports them. Uh, so, but yeah, I mean, hey, I tell you what, you wear a Cowboys hat, especially to the press conference there. I mean, you, you kind of got to sit there and take it, don't you?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially, yeah, especially in the South. All right, well, uh, that's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's been great to be back in your podcast feed this week, and uh, it's been great to be in your podcast feed for 2016, and we're looking for uh, big things to come in 2017, 2017. So please tell a friend about the best Hornets talk you can get Anywhere. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes while you're there. Give us a five star review. It helps hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions and your thoughts to BuzzBuzz buzz at LockedOnHornets.com. We're back next week with a recap of this Cleveland Cavaliers showdown tomorrow night. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Cavs. Let's swarm Charlotte!
2: So, what if I like Stay up late and watch TV Don't blame it on caffeine